podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yo, this is Gary Stills, and you're listening to the Raspy Voice Kids. When I'm feeling lonely, sad as I can be, all by myself in an uncharted island in an endless sea. What makes me happy fills me up with glee. Those bones in my jaw that don't have a flaw, my shiny teeth in me. My shiny teeth that twinkle just like the stars in space. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit, joined by... Jeremy JN Fiend Phoenix. I'm in the building. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. This is the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You are now tuned in to Pop Culture. Hit you with that pop, 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 pop. Today we are talking about brushing your teeth. Jeremy, what do you have to say about the teeth brushing situation? In general, I feel like people don't brush their teeth enough. I don't know. I haven't seen stats, I haven't seen figures. All I know is though the masks have helped a lot to retain the funky breath. Sometimes you look at people's teeth. Sometimes you look and smell people's breath. I mean, just the other day. And sometimes it's not because they don't brush their teeth. Sometimes it's an actual problem. I'm just saying, I feel like it's an epidemic in non-brushing teeth. And I think that that's something that people sorely overlook. Because, like, how were you raised? I know how we were raised. You brush your teeth in the morning. You brush your teeth before you go to bed. Sadly, I feel like that has lost a lot, and not everybody was raised like that, B. No, I know. I had a friend recently who told me he only brushes his teeth once a day, which is better than nothing, but still, not enough. They were talking about, I saw something. can't remember where I saw it, or I heard it. No, 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 that's right. I heard it on ESPN Radio. It was on Jalen and Jacoby. That's right. Free shout out, Jalen and Jacoby. And a dude was talking about when you wake up in the morning, not brushing your teeth the first thing. Like there's people out here who wait, eat breakfast, which essentially takes, you know, I don't know, an hour, but usually a couple hours before while, while they've been up, then they brush their teeth. That's never the way I've done it. And I understand you don't want the taste of the toothpaste in your breakfast food. But for me, get up, get it done, get it over with. I'm not waiting hours and, and having funky breath while I eat my food. Now I say, I disagree wholeheartedly. I'm not going to have toothpaste ruin my orange juice or anything else sweet that I might have to eat in the morning. No, I agree. I And, and by the way, if you ever, I'm sure everybody has done that. Drink a couple of orange juice right after you brush your teeth. It's the disgusting. Worst. It tastes so sour and you're like, man, why did I do it? But really, so, so you don't, first thing you do when you wake up, you don't wash your face and brush your teeth. No, not the first thing I do is not brush my teeth. No way. I can take a shower first thing, but I'm not brushing my teeth first thing. Gotcha. Now, Clint Hatmaker, when he woke up in the morning, no matter what time it was, he had to brush his teeth. But not me. I got to eat first, son. No, I get you. I get you. I just feel like it's a lost art. And the worst thing is nobody's told me, but you don't have to be told everything. All you have to do is look and pay attention and smell. People with them yellow stained teeth. Look, I'm not coming at nobody. Look, I'm not coming well, at. Sounds like you are. Sounds like I'm you have not, a very specific demographic you're coming at. Right I'm just now. saying, just pay attention in your everyday life. Um, aside from the meth, people's teeth are jacked up because purely <laughs> because of not brushing them. You know. Now I will say, there's some people who have soft teeth. That is, they're more prone to cavities than other people. And I did not experience that for most of my life. But now, as I've gotten older, my teeth 
I don't know exactly what it is, but they I am more prone to cavities than I ever have been. I don't think cavities are always indicative of whether you take care of your teeth or not. Because like you said, sometimes people just get bad genetics and their teeth aren't the best. But I will say, I can look at your teeth and tell you, hmm, this person brushes, this person does not even try. Austin Powers does not even try. Okay? Not even a little bit. <laughs> you, can, you can just see it. I say Austin Powers as, as an example. You laugh, you joke, whatever, whatever. But it's a perfect example because when you're around people, you can see it. And most importantly, you can smell it. I was around somebody last week. I hadn't seen them for a while. I came up to give them a hug and boom, like a cannon, got punched in the mouth with their breath. Now I'm in an awkward position. Now I got to act like I'm not about to just gag because your breath smells like doo-doo rocks. Doo-doo <laughs> you know? So, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, this is an epidemic that I've seen that I think needs to be, to be taken care of, Brandon. You? No, for sure. It's a real thing. I don't think, I think people, you're talking about brushing and brushing teeth is a big deal. I think the thing that's more, at, more likely to be ignored is flossing. Everybody out here flossing, they got their chains, they got their gold jewelry, they got their cars, they got their shoes. But I'm not talking about that kind of flossing. I'm talking about actually putting some thin rope between your teeth to make sure you get all the places clean. And I feel like that is lacking. I also and people do- think they can front. Huh? No. Hey, hey, that was challenging for my computer. But no, they were talking about uh, Jalen Jacoby. J- Jalen uh, Jacoby was talking about the, the water pick. The water yeah. pick that you shoot, he's like, change, change your life. Because you're bad. I'm not a fan. I mean, the water pick is pretty great, but I'm not a fan. I like the old school flossing. Let's get in there. Let's get out. Because people don't understand your breath stinks because there's food in it. There's food locked in between your teeth. So For sometimes some brushing people, it doesn't some get it. just have a natural throat yeah. bacteria that's, that's gross. Disgusting. Disgusting. I remember one of my friends in school, <laughs> everybody used to come up and be like, Yo, does one of your friends have halitosis? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. You don't want to be that guy. So make sure you brush your teeth. Take care of your teeth. teeth. Make sure you floss. And see the dentist. Make sure you see the dentist regularly. And if your breath does smell bad, I'm going to tell you like Martin did. Before you start getting up all in my space, all up in my face, take a tic-tac and get a bang out of life. Rat me, boys. Do you have cold floors in your home? It may be time to insulate your crawl space because cold air is rising into the rest of your home. Alfred Home Solutions can fix this problem. Call them today at 304-317-4105 today to book your free insulation estimate. Again, 304-317-4105. Don't wait. Insulate. Here we go again, another week. Your boy JN Fiend. I'm here with my brother Brandon Phoenix, aka I also hate Pitt. That music tells us that there's five questions coming, or five uh, leaving the fill in the blanks coming. And you know what, your boys, the RVK, have five answers for you. So let's get ready to rumble. Let's get down. Let's go, Jay. Hello, how are you? Welcome back to another segment of I Got Five on It with the Raspy Voice Kids. I'm your uh, person who tells you what blanks they're going to fill. We'll figure out a title for it at some point. My name is Jordan, and let's get started with the first blank. Best Virginia in TBT has been blank. I'll say Best Virginia in TBT has been 
worth the hype. What they're doing for Mountaineer Nation cannot be understated. In this time where there's not a lot of sports happening, we do have the NBA Finals, but there's not a lot of sports happening, they're filling a gap for sports, number one. Number two, they're bringing back nostalgia because a lot of the players that we watch for years and years and years are back on the stage doing their thing. So, they're out here doing their thing, and we appreciate it. I love it. My answer is, it's been great for West Virginia. Good for Best Virginia, great for West Virginia. Good for them because they've won too. By the time you hear this um, and this has come out tomorrow, you'll know whether they've won and advanced to the Elite Eight in Dayton. So for them, it's great. But for the whole state of West Virginia, it, it is amazing because everybody gets to concentrate on something. Everybody gets to watch the players they uh, grew up with and loved. Um, it's on ESPN. They're showing love to the state of West Virginia every time they come in and out of commercials. Um, I saw they had D'Antoni on there. They had, uh, was Huggins? Was Huggins actually at the, at the game? I don't know if he was at the game, but I no, know. No, Huggins he, was not at the game. His daughters were though. I was going to say, so, so Huggins has showed love though in videos and whatnot wearing the best Virginia stuff. Um, it's just been really good to, for West Virginia to get that publicity out there that look, we here, we here, we in this. So it's just, it's been great for the state of West Virginia. Number two, Elmore starting for Marshall's heard that is blank. Nepotism. Plain and simple, it is nepotism. There's no excuse for a guy like that to be starting on any TBT team, let alone any TBT team, period. He's got no business there except for his dad's a coach, his brother's a star. That's why he's there. Now, he can shoot the lights out, no question, but he can't play defense like he needs to play defense, and he can't do almost anything else that needs to be done. And just plain and simple, he makes that team look bad. Now, I will give props to Ott because he knows who he is. He knows what he's doing. Um, and he's in on the joke. So everybody's laughing, but Ott, Ott's laughing too. So I, I, I give him props for that. But Ott starting is pure nepotism. Ott starting is the American dream, Brandon. So many people look into the TV, look into the glasses, see themselves. And they see Ott when they look at Ott Elmore starting for Marshall, a guy out of shape who still loves to play ball. And it makes you feel like, man, I can still do it. It is the American dream. <laughs> it's also hilarious. Okay. <laughs> all these athletes, on the, all these athletes on the floor. And then here's Ott on the side, out of shape, balding, whatever else you want to say. Dude can't shoot the lights out. He's a sharpshooter and he's a specialist. And he's starting purely because him and his brother started the team. They, they are the GMs of the team. But even though it's hilarious, even though we're all in on the joke, it's still, when you look at it, that you can do anything, that you can make it anywhere if you put your mind to it, it's the American dream, Brandon. Number three. Giannis getting crowned at the NBA championship has you feeling blank. Satisfied. I was satisfied with the outcome. I don't believe the Bucs were the best team in this playoffs. They weren't the best team in the league. I believe that was the Nets. I believe a healthy Lakers team gives them a run for their money even. But it was, I was satisfied with the outcome because every season has injuries. Every season has adversities. And the Bucs overcame everything. Also, Giannis is one of the most likable, if not the most likable star in the NBA. He's relatable. As relatable as a seven-foot person who's a freak of an athlete can be. And getting Giannis a championship, getting a ring, staying on that team, had me feeling satisfied. Man, I felt relieved. I was extremely relieved because I believe that Giannis did everything that he could. I believe that Giannis is one of the best players in the world. And I'm so glad that he actually got a title because 
whenever great players, whether it's LeBron, whether it's uh, Dirk Nowitzki, whether it's Giannis, whenever they come along and, and they want to be one of the best players in the world, the first thing everybody always says is, yeah, but he can't win the big. Yeah, but he can't win a championships cha- championship. So Giannis has saved me a lot of irritation by winning one. So that can't be the narrative. You can't say that for the next three years. Every time he does something good, say, well, but does he do it in the playoffs? Well, but does he have a championship ring? I don't like haters like that. There's too many haters. There's too many people who want to, people want to say, oh, all you do is concentrate on rings. That's because all you talk about are rings. You've boiled down greatness to rings. So I'm glad Giannis went out and got his. So we don't have to, that doesn't have to be the narratives that we hear about, about Giannis for years and years to come. Number four, CP3 not getting it done in the finals will leave blank in his legacy. I was going to say mar. It will mar his legacy. But the more I think about it, I think it will cement his legacy. CP3 not getting it done will cement his legacy. He is who we thought he was. The guy who does not show up when it matters most, whether it's because he's injured or whether because he just can't get it done. This is who CP3 has been for his entire 16-year career. A guy who doesn't get it done when it matters most. This will cement CP3's legacy. I was going to say tarnish, but I like cement better because tarnish, I don't think it's going to take away from what he is. Because I believe that people only have him at a certain level. Now, granted, he could have impacted and 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 could have jumped up a level with a championship. But now that he hasn't, I don't think he's going to tarnish. It's not going to take away from what people thought about him. But like you said, I actually, you know, I'm changing my to cement, and I've never done this. I was going to say tarnish, but yours, you made a great argument for it, and it's a perfect word. It cemented who he is, which is one of the best point guards who's ever played, but not on the upper, upper echelon. He's just an A. He's not an A+. Plus. When it comes to legacies. Um, and like you said, what he's done here, he's been on a few different teams. He's he's taken them great places, which has showed that he's one of the best point guards ever. But he can't get that championship. And I think just like LeBron being on three different teams and winning three three different championships helps elevate and solidify who he is, that he is that X factor. It's the same thing with CP3, seeing that he's been able to take these uh, multiple different teams to the pinnacle, but he can't get over, cements that... He's not that guy. So uh, I love your word for it, concrete, cemented, because it's in concrete now. I think he will. Um, you know what? You know, we could tell, talk. You know, we're going to do it now. I was going to say we could talk about this all, later on, on on the roundup, but here's the thing. I think this leads to him going to the Lakers in a last-ditch effort to Carl Malone, Gary Payton, try to win a, win a ring. I don't know, but we'll see. It's not like he hasn't tried it before. Number five. The new WVU facilities are blank. Elite. The new facilities are elite. They're as good as almost anyone in the country. Now, I'm not going to say they're as good as Ohio State or Alabama or USC or even Texas, but they are elite. They're in the upper echelon of facilities in the country. We can compete with nearly anyone when it comes to what we have on our campus for football players. These facilities are indeed elite. Well, listening to your answer, these facilities are something I need to see. Now, am I talking about in person? Yes. Am I talking about in pictures? Yes. (laughs) Because I've seen these articles come out, 
Um, and I haven't taken the time to flip through to actually look at the pictures. So right after we're done, I'm telling you, first thing I'm going to do is look at the new facilities. But from what I'm hearing from you and everybody else, they're amazing. They're beautiful. And there's something. They've been doing tours. They've been videos. They have a whole section for the NFL players who are in the league lockers for them. If they come back, almost like what the basketball team has done. The only difference for me is you're not going to have guys coming back the same way you do in basketball. It's just a different culture. In different relationship, you know? Yeah, maybe. But I like the idea, and I like the gesture. But I also think that maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm off. Maybe these super millionaires, if you're a big-time football player, you, I mean, you don't have time. I don't want to say time, but, like, that's on your priority list. But I feel like if we make it a priority amongst our athletic department, to do something special one weekend a year, for those players who are in the NFL to make them remember their love. And, and just, you know, if we push a little harder to make this a thing where these guys come back on a specific date, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they do. Maybe they do have something. I don't know. I'm not in the loop like that, but I hear what you're saying. But there you go. Five questions, five answers. RVK answered them our style, how we feel. That's what it is. Coming up next, the Mountaineer Roundup, the Basketball Sports Roundup. But also, don't forget, Daryl Talley interview, newly inducted. Oh, not newly inducted. Newly retired jersey. We're going to get to that, baby. So stick around, RVK. Wrap me, boys! Yes, yes, back in the building, back in the booth, another segment. Your boy, Jeremy, JN Fiend Phoenix. I'm here with my brother, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. Hey, man, it is TBT. It's not the championship game, but it is the uh, winner leaves Charleston to go to Dayton. Now, by the time everybody hears this, we'll know what happened. So, Brandon, do you want to sound like a fool or you want to sound like the truth? What you think is going to happen? Well, I always keep it real. You know me. I keep it real. Um, I think Team 23 is really good. But I think Best Virginia has a good shot at beating them. Um, if we play like we did in the first quarter, in the fourth quarter, we'll win the game. If we play like we did in the second quarter and third quarter of, la- of the last game, then we don't win. As simple as that. I really think this team... Plays excellent defense, typical huggy ball type defense, smothering, physical, and I love it. If we get some production from Jamel, from some more production from Juan Staten, for sure offensively, uh, and some of the other guards, Tariq's more consistent, then we win. And we move on to Dayton. So our scores of the first two games were 68 points and 61 points. Um, easily the lowest two winning scores that I've seen for most of this tournament. One thing's very apparent, we could play defense. Not a shock. Uh, Best Virginia, I mean, it's not a shock. Huggies, boys, not a shock. So the real question pretty much boils down to, can our defense be great enough to win us this game against Team 23? There are going to be people who step up who can score buckets. We're never consistent. I personally feel like our guards have to give us more offensively. They give us a lot of rebounding and a lot defensive-wise. But specifically our point guards, State and, and Tavon Myers, they take some shots, and, and they just haven't been falling. I know they can, but they haven't been. 
our point guards need to step up to help score. Because I think Tariq Phillips, given more shots, he can get it going. I think that, um, hmm, number 22. This is getting my nerves. Alex Ruoff. Ruoff. Ruoff can shoot lights out. He really hasn't taken a whole lot of shots. But I wouldn't put it so much on them. But the point guards have had the ball in their hands and have missed shots. And we need it. Um, inside, man, we got a steady J-flow. I was going to say steady flow, but... Between J Flo and and, and uh, Kevin Jones, man, I love our inside presence. I love our little, you know, feed it in there and let them get them little bunnies. But none of it's consistent. And if you're a Mountaineer fan, you grew up seeing inconsistencies on offense. I think that'll continue. Don't get me wrong. Every now and again, the Mountaineer squad can break out and score points. Um, you you know, without consistency. So does the offense show up? I don't know. The question is: Is our defense going to be great enough to hold them down? And I think possibly. I want to believe um, they scored a whole lot against Marshall. Marshall was able to keep it kind of close because they scored. Marshall held them to 74. If Marshall held them to 74, I think we can hold them to 65. And, yes, I say we win the game 68-65. But we'll know whether we look like fools or not because as we say this, you guys are already going to know the answer. So laugh at us or be like, man, them dudes is geniuses. Geniuses! The other thing I saw, Brandon, is I know it's early on in the Olympics, but I saw the women's soccer team take a hard L. It's surprising the men's team is not even, uh, I don't know if it's the World Cup or even in the Olympics. I don't know. I don't know which one it is, but either the way. Olympics. Okay. Yeah. They didn't qualify. The men's team is garbage, hot garbage. But you know, the women are the best in the world, or at least we thought. They played the Usually. Silver- they played the silver team, the team who won silver in the last big tournament, Sweden. And they got housed three to nothing. Wow. Did you see that coming? No, I didn't see it coming. I thought for sure we were going to win. With all the trash the women's team talked all the time, and with all the victories they've had over the years to back it up, I thought for sure they would win. Certainly not get beat 3-0, and they got stuffed in a locker. So I don't know what to think. Me neither. Me neither. It's kind of crazy. I saw I saw that headline. I don't know a whole lot about women's soccer. I I know some of the players. I mean, I could rattle off players' names, and I know that we have a good squad. But as for the other teams, I don't know how good they are. Sweden finished silver, so they must be pretty good. But to lose three nothing, ah, it's pretty tough. We'll see if they bounce back. Um, what else are we gonna talk about? Are we gonna talk about the NBA Finals at all? Let's get into it. Javon Carter did not play in the NBA Finals. Correct? I didn't see him on the court. I didn't see him on the court at all. I don't remember seeing the stat line for him. Um, there are a lot of people from West Virginia who are saying that Javon Carter should have played. That would have made a difference. Do you feel that way, Jeremy? I believe that the people calling the shots um, know a lot more than I do, and I trust their opinions when they put whoever they put into the game. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Like, Monty Williams is a good coach who's given Javon opportunities throughout the season. If he's not playing in the playoffs, there's a reason. The the Suns went far. They were up 2-0 in the finals without Javon. I trust what they're doing. I also think that this will motivate Javon. As you saw him out there getting shots up after games. Bro, this will be be invaluable for Javon. This is probably one of the best things that could happen. Yep, I agree. You get this far. You get this kind of experience. Um, you're around people who are winners and go to a high level, but you don't get what you deserve in your opinion as far as playing time. Um, so it just motivates him. 
It pushes him to be more of a bulldog than he ever has been. And you saw it already. Like I said, getting shots up after games, wins or losses, getting shots up. Uh, Javon's just going to keep getting better and better and better. He'll be in the league for a long time. Great leadership, too. He's been around CP3. He sees how things go. He's, he's seen them play against great teams. He's seen high-pressure situations. This is only going to be great for his career. So I can't wait to see what's to come for Javon Carter. Also, Brandon, speaking of the NBA, well, I mean, first of all, shout-out to Giannis getting his uh, ring. Now we don't have to talk about it anymore. Now we don't have to question him. Now we don't have to keep saying, hey, this guy can't get it done because, look, he got it done. CP3, like you said, on I got five on it, his his legacy is pretty much cemented. This cemented where he's at, where he's, it's upper echelon, but it's not the most elite. You know, he's in the top 10, but I don't think you're really putting him in the top three point guards of who've, who've ever lived, despite some of his statistics. But yeah. there's, there's been a lot going on. It was actually a fun series, a really fun series, hard contested series. Team goes down 0-2. The other team bounces back. Like, it was a good series. But. It was a great series. Yeah. I was going to hit you with the butt, and then I forgot what I was going to say right after that. I do too much talking. See, I had a point. Leading you down this path, holding your hand, and then boom, I forgot. So, um, Well, I think it was a great series. Even though it only went six games, it was really fun. Those games came down to the wire in a lot of situations. Um, it was a very entertaining series if you like the NBA. A lot of people don't like the NBA. I, I prefer the NBA to college unless I'm watching West Virginia. So I enjoyed it. By the way, speaking of the NBA, two things. The first thing is this. Vegas came out with their odds to win it next year. Yep. I um, saw it. You saw it? Nets number one. Yep. Lakers number two. Bucks number three. Yep. Okay. Do you know who number four is, Brandon? Knicks? Nope. I was just guessing because you asked me that way. So let me let me think about it for a second. Number four. You're not going to guess it, so I'm going to just go ahead and tell you. Vegas has Golden State as the four. Oh, I was going to say Clippers, but Golden State makes sense with a healthy Clay Thompson. Like somebody said today earlier on ESPN Radio, all that just told us is somebody in Vegas knows something we don't. No, I don't agree. I know I know Clay is coming back, but Clay coming back, period, does not put them at number four. Are you sure? Number four? We're not saying number one, number four. Clay coming back does not make Golden State number four by himself. Who would you who would you take over Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green? Um Yeah, that's about where not, it starts. Um huh? all right, so we got you mean you can go clip I mean like because you gotta understand. I mean, what have the Clippers won? The core I just mentioned with Golden State has won multiple championships. The Clippers have won nothing. The core Paul you George has won nothing. The core you mentioned has won one championship, for the record. No, they've won two. Without Durant. Durant was there for two of them. I think it's pretty, okay. So, so I'm taking, but, if you take but Durant. But that core has won, I'm sorry, they've won three championships. Yes, but they've only won one without Kevin Durant. And I'm not taking they anything won away one, from That's still more than what the Clippers have won. No, that's true. Uh, for me, for my money, the, the, just getting Clay back is not going to um, make them number four. And like somebody said, it's like Vegas knows something that we don't know. Is they do they know Dame Dollar is going to Golden State? Is that is that what's in it? No, nah, I just think you're under. I don't think you're giving Clay Thompson his flowers. I don't think you're giving his respect. I think Cla- I think Clay, Clay Thompson is amazing, but I don't know if it's good enough Clearly to make it number not. four. It was it was kind of surprising. At all the teams, you got the Sixers who are young. There's so many teams who could do little things. The Sixers? The Sixers couldn't beat the Hawks 
Are you kidding me? Yes, the and when Sixers? they get, and when they trade little don't score for somebody who could help space the court and shoot, I think could be a huge difference. Yeah, huge. then the odds will be different. But right now we're talking about the team as they are. Oh, is, is that I don't know. I don't know if that's what they're doing. I don't know if they're projecting or if they're talking about the teams as they are. No, I think they're talking about the teams as they I are. I just thought it was interesting to have yet. Golden State number four, because don't get me wrong, I root for Golden State, man. I, I want them to win. I like them dudes. But number four seemed a little high, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe they know some we don't know. I don't know. Also talking about the NBA, Brandon, I have seen Deuce McBride. I've seen him in the New York Post talking about going to the Knicks. And then you posted the, uh, you reposted a picture that you got the other day about him working out for the Lakers. So for up to you, where would you rather him land? New York or LA? For Deuce, I'd rather be a Laker with LeBron, with a chance to win a ring early on, with a chance to learn from the King early on. Uh, for Deuce in his development, I'd rather him be a Laker. For my enjoyment, for what I see as far as my fandom is concerned, I'd prefer him to be a Nick, of course, because he's in a big market. Um, he can learn from Derrick Rose. I like Tom Thibodeau, and he, I think they, he's got a similar style to Huggins as far as that hard-nosed, tough defense. First, Absolutely. Defense first. Yep. He, I, think, I think, you know, you need young players to play in a Tibbs um, offense, defense on a Tibbs team. Deuce McBride has been conditioned for this his entire college basketball career. If anybody can make the tr- transition seamlessly, it seems to be him because Hugs and Tibbs seem to be the same person. No, I agree. I'd rather him be a Nick too. You know, we're Nick fans, so I'd rather him be. I no, no, no. I personally would like to see him to be a Nick, Nick, a Nick. But um, for winning and for him and his legacy, LA wouldn't be bad either. Even though I will say the Knicks don't have a superstar in themselves. Julius Randle is nice. I don't. I'm still not sure if he's a number one. He goes to New York. He's not a number one. He's he, not. Um. McBride goes to New York and plays well. You're going to be seeing him selling, uh, I don't know, uh, refrigerators and stoves and everything else marketing-wise. His face, you know, on a new Subway commercial. Like, New York's market is just so much bigger. It touches so much more. So if you're great in New York, you're 10 times as great as you would be uh, if you were in Milwaukee or anywhere else. Now, L.A. is pretty big, too. My only thing is, L.A., you already have two big stars. LeBron and AD. So no matter what, you're not going to get a whole lot of fanfare. Um, great place to be. A lot of networking that could go down. But man, it would make my whole life. It really would if McBride could go to New York, the Big Apple. But that's what we I'm got with- for the. I was gonna say that's what we got for the roundup, Brandon. You got anything else? Nah, that's it for me. That's what we got, man. Up next, Daryl Talley, the great Mountaineer legend. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pitt. You are now joining the Raspy Voice Kids for another Golden Blue interview. Today, we have with us a consensus All-American, a former NFL draft pick, an NFL player for the Buffalo Bills and other teams. Further than that, four-time Super Bowl appearance. Oh, let me start over. Let me start over. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. 
You are now tuned into the Raspy Voice Kids, and you are tuned in for another Golden Blue interview. Today we have with us a consensus All-American, an NFL legend, and hopefully a future NFL Hall of Famer, the pride of Shaw High School in East Cleveland, Ohio, Mr. Daryl Talley. Mr. Talley, Daryl Talley, thank you for joining us today. No problem. How are you doing, Brian? Have a good day today? I'm doing great. I'm feeling great today. This is a dream come true for us. We get one of the legends on with us. You're a West Virginia Hall of Famer. They're going to retire your jersey. How do you feel about that? Uh, trust me, that's a really, really special thing for me. I mean, if you think about it, I will be on only the fifth person in West Virginia history to have their jersey retired. So, yeah, that is huge. Yeah, that's a big deal. We actually had a show where we talked about the numbers that were retired and the numbers that need to be retired. And yours is definitely on that list. So we're glad that it's finally being done. Now, well, before thank you. I, I appreciate that. Before I do any interviews, I always do my research. I always do my homework. And I came, aqua- I came across a quote that you made, something you said that really stuck out to me, drew my attention. You said that you fought okay, every what day. What was that? <laughs> you said you fought every day from fifth grade to high school. Actually, that is the truth. That you had to do it, and you said that you weren't going to – I'm sorry? Go ahead. I'm listening. You said you weren't going to let anybody take anything from you. I love that mentality. You had to because of the area and the time and the era in which I grew up in. Um, I grew up in – I started out in in Cleveland. Then my parents moved to East Cleveland. And once I got there, it was the – look. People are going to try and take things from you your whole life, so you got to try and defend yourself and take everything that you want and keep it. Make sure you keep your own stuff. What percentage of those fights would you say you won? Oh, I have no idea. All I know is I just kept fighting. I refused to be beaten, and if I did think I got beat, I went back the next day and fought some more. Well, I love that. I Like I said, I love that gritty mentality. It showed itself in your career. So that's, that's really awesome to, to hear that. Um, and like I said, it drew my attention when I saw that. Now, like we said, you're from East Cleveland, and you went to Shaw High School. So how did you end up at West Virginia University? Well, that's a kind of a, a long story, but a long and short story, I guess you would say. Um, we had played against uh, three of the top teams in the state that year. And Coach Gary Stevens was recruiting the other schools and looking at them. And he happened to see me play in two of the games that I played. And he was like, he looked at me, he said, son, where have you been all year? I said, I had a broke ankle. And he said, you had a broke ankle? I said, yeah. So you play like that and run like that, and you had a broke ankle? I said, yes. And the next thing I knew, I got recruited by Iowa, Iowa State. Syracuse and West Virginia were the big schools that recruited me. Um, I got recruited by some mid-American schools. I didn't, I mean, considering now, I've only played three games. And in two of the games, I made every tackle on the field except for probably maybe five while I was in on it. And the other one, in the last game of the season, I made 18 because all my teammates said they weren't going to let me make the tackles anymore. So, yeah, um, and, with, and about the comments you were talking about when you said that 
I fought every day from the fifth grade on. The reason why is that I grew up in perhaps a 98%, 97% all black neighborhood. And I looked different from the other kids because I'm black and Indian mixed. And I had my hair parted and combed on the side. And they would be looking at me and calling me all kinds of names. And that wasn't going to happen with me because I knew if I let them start, they would never stop. So, so you put you put it I into refuse it. to let that happen to me. Yeah, we fought about that every day if we had to. So you talked about uh, the coach who recruited you to WVU, and he was under the Signetti uh, regime at WVU at West Virginia. Yes. Now, yes, that was Gary Stevenson. Gary Stevenson, and he was the coach who brought you to West Virginia. He beat out all the other schools. I saw that you said that one of the things that drew you to West Virginia was that they had other Cleveland kids there. That is absolutely correct because um, the class before ours in 77, because I got a high school in 78, the 77 class and the 78 class had a lot of kids from my area that went to school there. And if you look back, I think it was my freshman year, um, we had like 16 starters on the team from Ohio in comparison to all the other states. So we had a tremendous Ohio um, contingency there at WVU. There's been a lot of Ohio kids who made a contribution, who've made contributions to West Virginia over the years. It's really been impressive. Um, what's interesting to me, though, is you went from Signetti to Neyland. So you went from Signetti, somebody a lot of people don't think a lot about as far as what he did at West Virginia, to Neyland, arguably, and with, in my opinion, the greatest coach the greatest football coach in the history of West Virginia sports. What well, was that transition yeah. like for you? Um, the transition was really kind of, kind of scary at first because um, Coach Signetti did a great job of recruiting our classes and stuff like that. And he actually left the cupboard pretty full for Coach Nealon when he got there. Um, coach Nealon came in. And I never will forget the first meeting um, we were in and Frank Kensel had his feet up on the chair. Coach Nina said, son, get your feet off that chair. And he started telling him to get his feet off the chair. And I was like, okay, this is going to be different. Then he started telling us that no matter who got you guys here, you're all my guys now. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm from Cleveland. I know that somebody's not going to just give you something for nothing. And I'm like, okay. Now, he says we're all his guys. How do I know to believe this guy? I'm sitting there looking at him. And then he told us what he wanted from us. And he told us he wanted us to lift weights, get stronger. We were going to be a better team. And we listened to what he said. And I kept looking and going, okay, well, what's going on? All right. And I looked and I bought into what he said. He got us to all lift weights. He got us all to get stronger. And... As a result of that, we were already pretty good football players. We were already, we had a whole track team just about from Ohio. We had a triple A, single A, and double A sprint champs. We had those coming from West Virginia the same way. So, yeah, we had speed, and it was just a matter of us getting to play a, a certain type of football or football together as a team and growing. We were skinny, we were little, we were tiny, but he got us to lift weights and we got bigger and stronger. 
And if you really look back at that era in time, we played against two two back-to-back national championship teams, and that's Pitt and Penn State. Yeah. So, yeah, we had to be good, and and you couldn't take any wooden nickels because, trust me, they were going to – Pitt and Penn State would run over you like a lawnmower – a lawnmower over some freshly cut grass. That's what it looked like. So, you know, we had to defend ourselves there. And you couldn't have somebody come into your house and beat you up. You had to stand up for your home ground, your home turf. And you guys did that with some impressive games. Yeah. Well, we did that, but we didn't, we didn't beat them. No, we did you not didn't. Beat them. But- they didn't beat them. They didn't get beat until after we had all graduated. But you did, you were able to intercept Dan Marino, am I correct? Uh, I don't know if I've got an interception off Dan or not. But I know I chased him around enough to, and beat on him enough that he and I became really good friends <laughs> during and after um, college. So, yeah, we're still friends to this day. So that's been a truly one of my longest rivals and one of the people that I've chased my whole life. Well, of course, you played against him in the AFC East in the NFL. Yes. Yep. Played against him like? every year. What was that like in college and in the pros playing with and against those greats? Well, what it was was it was, I guess you would call it a love-hate relationship because I loved to play against him, but I hated to get beat by him. And in college, he beat the snot out of me. So when we got to the NFL – I got a little extra help and the guys that I had on my team and we started beating them. So his guys had to deal with us now. What about, so you got your revenge in the NFL. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but I want to talk (laughs) about, I I do want to ask you about what some people call your flu game at West Virginia. You know what I'm talking about? You talking about 1982, in Oklahoma. Yes, sir. 102 fever, correct? <laughs> yes. I thought I was dying. Well, I'm sure oh, in that Oklahoma heat with the fever, I'm sure you felt like you were. <laughs> yeah. It, it, was, it was a hard game. I mean, we're playing, and we had just came off of the Peach Bowl, playing, playing well against Florida, beating them, and then we go out to Norman, Oklahoma, who had beaten the snot out of us my freshman year of 1978, they beat us so badly, it was pathetic. And going back out there, I had the idea that I didn't want to get beat that bad, and I wasn't going to get beat. But lo and behold, here comes the flu. And I was sick as a dog. I remember Dennis folks yelling at me on the sideline, telling me, what are you doing? Who are you? I don't know you. Me and him were going at each other on the sideline. I was like, bro, I'm tired. I came out of the game one play or a couple plays, and they sent Eddie Hughes in. Eddie going to get pissed at me for this one, but it was funny. He goes in the game. Eddie's in the game playing, and the way they run that wishbone option at you, (laughs) Eddie got knocked out of his shoes. And he was laying on the ground. He was laying on the ground looking around going, what happened? Where are my shoes at? And the referee walks up. Dennis Folks tells the story. The referee walks up. Son, we have your shoes. <laughs> and he gives him <laughs> the shoes to put back on. 
<laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm on the sideline breathing into a brown paper bag. I get out, I come back out on the field, and Dennis just looks at me. And I and I had, me and him had already been arguing on the sideline about me playing. And after that, I just said, okay. I just buckled down. I said, whatever it takes is what I'm going to do. And I just started making piles of the wishbone wherever I could. And Dennis had a Dennis had some like 25 tackles that game. I mean, he was all over the place in that game. So yeah, that was <laughs> that was sort of a unique individual <laughs> output of me. I, that was me giving everything I had at that time. And we won. Yes, we won. Which is a big deal. A lot of people are upset because we haven't beaten Oklahoma in many years, but I always go back to 82. And then, of course, the win we had in the Fiesta Bowl. That gets me through. <laughs> that's about all I have to deal with. That's about all I can say about that one. I mean, that's, gonna be, that's a hard school to play against. I mean, you got they recruit so well there, and, and they've got a ton of speed. And if you're not accustomed to that speed, when you see it on film, it looks different than when you actually get there. Once you actually get there and you're in it, it's a different thing. Well, I would a imagine... A lot of people can't... A lot of people can't what? A lot of people couldn't imagine the difference. You can't... How would you say? You can't get somebody to give you a look with that kind of speed. Yeah, there's no practice squad for that. No, there isn't. Now, I know you met your wife... In college, correct? That is correct. So that's got to be your favorite West Virginia University memory, right? <laughs> yes, it is. So I, I want to know what your what's your second favorite WVU memory? My second favorite WVU memory. Hitting the tight end coming across the middle from East Carolina. You knocked out a pirate. That's my. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. He didn't. He actually got up. He didn't know where he was at right then, but he got up <laughs> and went off the field. I love it. But yeah, I think that that was my other big, big thing there. Yes, and the third thing was graduating from college because back then not a lot of guys were graduating from school. Well, that's a big deal even today to graduate. A lot of people forget the student part of the student athlete. So we respect you and salute you for doing that while you were there. That's a big deal. Like Coach Ford Ford used to tell us, he says, look, university's getting football out of you. Get something out of the university. Get yourself an education because that'll help you and carry you further. So you go from Cleveland to Morgantown, you become a consensus All-American. You dominate on the college level. And then you get drafted in the second round by the Buffalo Bills. What was the transition to the NFL like? Um, kind of interesting because I was in a kind of unique situation once I got drafted and got, got to Buffalo and, and seeing what was there. Because Coach Nealon, who was my coach in Morgantown, he had, he had already coached my position coach, Bob Simmons. And when he was in college at Bowling Green, and he also coached a guy that was on the Buffalo Bills team. So both of them had told me, Daryl, when you get to to Buffalo, 
Go talk to Fu. Go talk to Phil. Coach Nita said, go talk to Phil. Um, Coach Simmons said, talk to Fu. So I'm like, okay. Find out who this guy is. Well, this guy is Phil Villapiano of my, my favorite team, the Raiders. So I'm like, okay. I go sit down and talk to him. And Phil, Ben Williams, and Sherman White were the guys that taught me how to be a pro. And that was a completely different thing from college and everything because you're on your own, you had to hold yourself accountable, and you had to be able to hold your teammates accountable. So, yeah, they taught me how to be a pro. So the tra- they smoothed the transition for you? Yes. You oh, played- it, it didn't come without some pain. <laughs> it didn't come without some pain. But you figured it out? Yes. You obviously did well. You're on the wall of fame there in Buffalo. So you, you clearly made your mark. And a lot of people remember you from those days, those Super Bowl runs. And they remember the, the people you played with, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, uh, Cor- Cornelius Bennett, um, Scott Norwood. Who would you say, so there's a lot of great players you played with. Who would you say is the most underrated teammate you had while in, while in the NFL? The most underrated teammate I had? Because you know what it's like to be underrated. I would say Kent Hall. Kent Hall? Kent Hall. Our center, yes. Our center did, yeah, I mean, he didn't get half the credit he deserved. I mean, he used to set our, def- our offensive front, set the blocking and everything for Jim. He'd be running, Jim would be running a play, and he'd turn around and tell Jim, no, you can't run that. That's all time of it was. That that's the most unheralded person there was Ken Hall. Do you have a favorite NFL Uh, memory? Favorite NFL memory? Mm. My favorite NFL memory would have to be the Houston Oilers game. Oh, wow. Because for the simple reason, Cornelius wasn't playing and Warren Moon had 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 his way with our team the whole first half. And all I can remember was going into the locker room at halftime, screaming and cussing at everybody. And I told him, if you quit, we going to fight. And I, I had a, a whole lot of words that I cannot repeat on the air that were said. And if they didn't like it, we could go at it now. And then we go into the lock, go in, and I sit down in the defensive meeting room. And Walt Corey, our coach, looks at, he looks at, he says, I called every, he's screaming at us. I called, and he never screamed at us. I called everything I wanted, I could call. I don't know what to play anymore. He said, you, you're that leader. You tell me what you want to play the second half. And I looked at him. I looked at our linebackers and I said, put us in a 3-4 and let us play. It's more of us than them. And we were big. Our linebackers were big enough and we ran well enough to run against them and play with them. 
So he put he put us in there and let us play. So as he put us back in the game, we go out the very first series of the second half. Chris Dishman picks off the ball, runs it back for a touchdown. I look at Eddie Abramowski, our uh, trainer, and Mark Pike. They were both standing right next to me. I looked at him and said, don't worry. I got them right where I want them. Both of them looked at me like I was crazy. And I told them, I said, let's go. We're going out here. Bleep, 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 bleep. Huh. And they were like, what? I said, yes, let's go. We go out. The very first play, probably the, after that, the next play, Leonard Smith gets called for a 15-yard penalty for, um, what do they call it? Personal foul. Intentional roughness. Oh, unnecessary roughness. Personal foul, intentional unnecessary roughness. Because Leonard hit the guy and he was on the the sideline. He he, he had one foot in and one foot out. Leonard laid him out. Coach started yelling at him. I told Coach, Coach Levy, don't yell at him. Leave him alone. I told him to hit him. I don't care where he hit him at. Hit him all the way back to the locker room. And got Leonard up off the ground, got him back in the huddle. And from that point forward, it turned into a fist fight. And, and I won. just said, look, yeah, we came, we came back. And then by the time the third quarter got halfway over with, Houston had no idea what hit them. I mean, they went from completely dominating us to just being bewildered, going, where the hell did this team come from all of a sudden? And to my teammates' credit, they all listened, and we all adhered, and we held each other accountable. We did what the coach told us to do, and we ran and hit. And we tried taking the ball away, and that's what we were really good at, is taking the football away from teams. And that's what we did. We just ran and hit people and didn't care where I hit them at, when I hit them. I told them, I said, if they make it out of this game, they're going to be too sore to play next week. Because <laughs> we're going to beat them, beat the piss out of them. And that's what y'all and they did. At me. Yeah, we beat on them. You had multiple nicknames on the field. One was the Duke of Awesome. Some people called you Spider-Man. Some people called you the Hammer. What would you say is your favorite nickname that you ever had playing football? I would say Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Because if you you ever remember, if you ever watch Spider-Man, he always arrived just in time to help his teammates out, to tell his teammates what to do, where to go. How to get there? He always Spider Man always showed up. He always showed up no matter what. Um, the other ones, yeah, I enjoyed hitting people. Yes, I used to get a kick out of that. I used to love to hit people, so that that didn't bother me. And the Duke of Awesome just, I just tried to do whatever I could do to make myself stand out on the field within that framework of what we were doing. Well, there, there you have it. You guys heard from the great Daryl Talley. Once again, consensus All-American, Wall of Fame member in Buffalo, future Hall of Famer, we hope, and we're, we're really hoping for. Uh, is there anything you would like to shout out or plug while we're here? Because I know you're put, making a push to get in the yeah. NFL Hall of Fame. Well, I'd just like to make it there. I mean, I'd like, to, I'd like for my dad to see me make it there before he passes. 
And that's a, you know, that's a, that's the only thing. That's the only thing I'll ask. And that's honorable. And in our opinion, you deserve it. In our estimation, you should have been there already. Just like this Jersey retirement in Morgantown is way overdue, but we're glad it's happening. Daryl, you have made it to the rapid fire segment of raspy voice kids. You don't know what that is, but we're just going to ask you a bunch of questions. You answer them as fast as you can. They're real simple. Nothing crazy. Uh, until we get to the final one, and then we'll be done with the interview. You ready? All right, let's have at it. Doritos, nacho cheese, or Cool Ranch? Nacho cheese. Does ketchup go on a hot dog? Yes. Lion King or Toy Story? Toy Story. LeBron or Jordan? Oh, that's hard. That's my homeboy versus a good friend. Mm, I'm going to have to go with Jordan. Manning or Brady? I think Tom Brady's the best to ever play. Best flavor of Pop-Tart? Strawberry. Number 90 or number 56? Mm. Last two digits on your dial and number one in your heart. 90. Love it. And finally, the climax of this interview, we need an honest answer from you. Do you pee in swimming pools? No. There you have it. Does not pee in swimming pools. He he answered all the questions. He gave us a great interview. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, please go out and support Daryl Talley for the NFL Hall of Fame. Support him when he comes back to Morgantown to have his jersey retired. Can you tell us when that is? I think it's October 2nd. October 2nd, 2021 in Morgantown, West Virginia. The number 90 will be immortalized and no one will wear it again. Daryl Talley, thank you for joining the Raspy Voice Kids. No problem. Thank you for having me. Sports Social Podcast Network.